humbug. Don't be cross, Uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not a penny richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello, this is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. I am your host, Travis, aka TV's Travis. Uh, Joining me this week for episode number 38, I have Christina. Hello. Hello. Uh, Also returning is Charlie. Hey, how's it going? Hey. And coming back is Keith. Hello. Hey. Uh, so normally I save the introductions and the last person is the person who has never seen the movie before, but in this case, none of us had watched this all the way through before. We are watching Disney's A Christmas Carol from 2009, directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Jim Carrey. Also had Carrie Elwes in there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're going to, we're going to be talking about that. Yes. Yep. We're going to be going over some of that, uh, here very, very quickly, but, um, to start, yeah, none of us had seen this movie in its entirety before. Charlie, you mentioned that you had seen a couple parts of it, and I'd seen the trailers, but I'd never watched the movie all the way through. Um, so it's not the first time that's happened for the podcast, but uh, it's still um, pretty rare that we have a movie that nobody has seen. Uh, especially, I mean, I wouldn't call this like a super popular movie. It did find the box office, but it, you know, uh, versions of A Christmas Carol are in a way, almost a dime a dozen because it's a public domain story because there's so many versions of it out there. I mean, we're basing this entire month uh, of this show doing versions of A Christmas Carol, but uh, this was one that I hadn't seen before, and um, quite frankly, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, it's not even the only one that Disney's done. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. They, they, did, they did one many years ago, uh, the animated cat. Yeah. Yeah, and this is actually, I believe, the third one that has been a Disney production because the Muppet Christmas Carol is also a Disney production. Mm, okay. Interesting. There's also Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yep. Yep. Interestingly, this is the only one of the three that is not part of the Disney Plus streaming service, which huh. I thought was intre- was uh, was strange to be honest because it's it's literally Disney's A Christmas Carol, but it wasn't on Disney Plus. Um. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. It may change in the future. Who knows? Oh, I'm sure. It, it's um, also it was also probably one of those ones that just didn't hit as big as the rest of their stuff. So they're like, I don't think people are really clamoring for this, and they haven't put it up. And I'm very certain they just haven't gotten a lot of requests for it. Because my guess is that actually has zero to do with it, and it's probably more of just whatever streaming deal was made for this particular movie, they couldn't stream it yet. Because if you if you have looked at all at Disney Plus catalog, they don't care about whether or not something is popular. They have everything on there, except for Song of the South, but that's a whole different story altogether. Um, yeah, <laughs> haven't seen that one. Uh, you, and you never will. Um, really? Uh, that is, yeah, that movie's never coming to the streaming service. But we can talk about that some other time. Um, but uh, I did want to talk. So we we always start with the cast, and really, I mean. When it comes down to it, this movie is is one person, right? It's the story of Scrooge, and it's Jim Carrey. But you mentioned Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright. Um, both of them are in it. Very small parts, but they're in there. They're also our connection to a previous movie we've covered just a few weeks ago with The Princess Bride. Um, so we got that out of the way real easily. Um, but we also had Gary Oldman um, doing double duty as Jacob Marley and Bob Cratchit. And apparently he did Tiny Tim as well. Um, yeah, that's what we we were looking at the credits because we thought that there was like, yeah, ooh, Carrie Elwes was in this. I don't remember hearing his voice. I wonder who he played. It's like, oh, he played like 16 parts. Well, I, I didn't see the name at the beginning because I had my son mm-hmm. and my my son, he can be a handful at times. This was not a movie that he sat through. He was no. in true form this time. 
honestly, that does not surprise me. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit more later. Um, but uh, this isn't a kid's movie by really any stretch. No, no. Um, but, well, it uh, depends on the family, it, I guess, because it would have been in my household. I'd say a tween. Maybe, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, Carrie Elwes played, I mean, he basically played one character and then some side characters and kind of background stuff. You also had Bob Hoskins, um, who mm-hmm. anytime he shows up in anything, it's a win for me. Um, Colin Firth as well. Uh, and then um, really, now I was surprised looking through the IMDb credits, guest number three and businessman number two were played by Paul Blackthorne. Um, I know him from the Arrowverse, and he was also, uh, oh, oh, what was it? Um, what is the, the series with, um, series of books, uh, magic? Um, that really narrows it down. I, uh, I based my, my Android character on, on that. Um, I was the order of, oh, man. What is it? Uh, Dresden. Dresden. Damn it. Dresden. He was uh, okay. He he was in the Dresden Files. He played Dresden. Um, so I okay. wouldn't have been able to tell you anything which who guest number three or businessman number two were, but I thought that was interesting looking through the the credits. Um, but you know, it really it comes down to Jim Carrey, Jim, right? Jim Carrey played Scrooge. He played the the three spirits. He played all the different versions of Scrooge as a young man and and all that. He did all of the motion capture. He did. And he was great. I thought he did a very good job. I mean, he's a method actor, so he really dives into his parts. So um, I enjoyed that. And Jim Carrey, for me, is rather hit or miss. And his performance in this one, I feel that he was very much on it. Oh, definitely. No, he was was great. Um, You know, he's playing... I mean, the character of, of Scrooge is very, very well known right it's pretty hard to find somebody who hasn't you know even even if they don't know or haven't read a christmas carol they know that that name and they know what that means like it's a miser it's a miserly old man um miserly curmudgeonly mm-hmm. fairly anti-christmas yes very much so i mean some of us can agree with and he did he played the part very very well now i liked the visual um, and I kind of want to go over that a little more in detail, but I liked the visuals of this and the way like they exaggerated his features. Um, so I did enjoy that, but it's just the way he played Scrooge, like the opening scene, you start in the movie off with Marley, right? And I love that opening where it's going in on the page of the book and then it shows like the 2D image from the book that slowly turns to three dimensional and then slowly becomes the style, the art style that the movie is going to do. Um, and you start out with Marley dead, and he's at the the Undertaker, and he signs the the death certificate, and then immediately has you know the Undertaker's got his hand out for some money, and I just liked the way that Scrooge it was like a combination of physically painful and making him ill to give money away. Yeah, you know, and just the way he portrayed that, and that's obviously the animators, but it's all done through that motion with this style of movie. It's all done through that motion capture. So there's a lot of performance there. Um, and, uh, I just think a little tremble of the hand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just think Jim Carrey nailed it. Um, say what you want about him as an actor. I think he is an incredible actor. Um, he got pigeonholed early on because of the, the crazy stuff that he would do and the out there things, characters that he would portray. Um, but if you have ever seen Man in the Moon, you know, you want to see somebody transform, he became Andy Kaufman for that movie. And if you haven't seen that, I recommend yeah, it. Yeah, he did. He did. That, that movie's great. I still like number 23. I have a mostly hate relationship with that movie. Um, well, you know, the differences of opinion. Yeah, it... That was one of those where they were trying to do something, but it fell apart under its own. Like, it couldn't sustain its own weight. It tried tried something, but then kind of fell apart. And that's a that's less on Jim Carrey and more on Joel Schumacher. Um, but 
you know, that can be a discussion for another time. Yep, uh, Spartacus1209 in the chat brings up uh, the Majestic. He was good in that. Um, I thought he was great in the Truman Show. He can act. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, the, the dude Beautiful can... movie. Yeah, the dude can act. And he can be Fire Marshal Bill. You know, he can do right. both. Like, there's nothing... They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, yeah. I just, I just don't think I can take Fire Marshal Bill for, you know, an entire length of a movie. No, and I don't think anyone could. Nor should I they. would love that. You think you do. You think you would love that. But I, I, I have a feeling about... 10 minutes of that and you would be ready for something else it's sort of like some of uh some like it's it's the way i view will ferrell as well will ferrell especially earlier in his career um for me i always thought he played better as a supporting character than he did when he would lead a movie now there have been a couple movies that have changed my mind on that and he's you know he's grown as an actor as well oddly enough i i liked him in talladega nights I still haven't seen that. I'm going to need to see that sometime soon. So that might have to go on the list because I hear all sorts of stuff about it. Um, but, you know, in, in, in this movie, Jim Carrey's not only playing Scrooge, which he does an incredible job of, and he's got to nail that accent, right? Because oh yeah, this is a very English story. It's a very British story. And so you get an American playing the role of Ebenezer Scrooge. He better be able to hit the accent. And I think he did a fine job. Um, but he's also playing all three of the spirits, right? So he's playing the ghost of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. Now, the ghost of Christmas yet to come doesn't have any lines, um, basically just points. So I thought it was interesting that he did the motion capture for it, but there's there's lot, a lot less performance there. It's more done through like the way they portray the visuals of him. But his... I loved yeah, I his. I loved his Ghost of Christmas Present. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he just there was fun in that. Yes, he was having fun with it. He had that wonderful laugh. Um, I didn't hate you know the the accent that he was doing. Uh, I just I liked that character because it, you really saw the aging not only visually but also in the portrayal in that short period of time. Like he goes from being young to turning into a skeleton and, and going and dying in that one night. And he, I just think he did such a good job of portraying that aging as he got older and more weary throughout the night. Um, I liked that a lot. And I loved his laugh. I loved the belly laugh that he had. He had uh, one of those. Just... And, the, the, and, and the decaying thing with the skeleton, that was one thing my son actually did like, because apparently he is completely my son without even being coaxed. Well, and you know, that was, that was a creepy moment, but it wasn't, certainly wasn't the creepiest moment in this movie. Um, I did think the ghost of Christmas past was an interesting take on that character, kind of a floating candle. Um, yeah, that was my least favorite visual character in the movie. Um, it was the one that probably took the most risk being, you know, a literal living floating candle. But it was something about... Oh, go ahead. With Jim Carrey's face in the flame. Yes. And it was something about the way the face worked. Would morph. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even morphing. I, just the way the face... It was, because it was it was rolling through all the different characters. It did that once, in. yes. Yeah. It yeah. did that right at the end there. And and I did actually but write myself kinda, a note. It's kind of like the old thing where you can, you can, see, I, you can see different things in, in a candle's flame at any second because of its flickering nature. Yeah. And, and that part was probably actually my favorite part of the, when that spirit was on screen was it flipping through all those faces. Cause it was just kind of this weird, like off putting moment, but it was the rest of the time where it was Jim Carrey's face. I think because with Scrooge, you could tell it was Jim Carrey, but it was so stylized. And with the Ghost of Christmas Present, you could still see it was Jim Carrey, but because the face was uh, wider, it was fatter, it was more cherubic, um, and he was always, you know, this big belly laugh, it it didn't just look like Jim Carrey. It looked like a, a character. But the candle was so much of Jim Carrey's face just floating in that flame, and I j it, it was a little too uncanny valley for me. Um, 
I, I actually liked the the whispery voice and the accent that he had, kind of that slightly Irish or Scottish accent going on. Um, I liked that. I just visual of it. I just, it just didn't do it for me. Um, I can agree. You know, that being said, I, I enjoyed everything that Jim Carrey did, and I know that that motion capture uh, performance capture stuff is not easy to do. Um, and this was ten years ago, so you think about how much things have progressed in the last 10 years and you look at a movie like a uh, you know Avengers Endgame and the way they did performance capture or the stuff that Andy Serkis has done with Planet of the Apes and all of that and then you go back and look at this and this was Zemeckis doing this was his third um, kind of motion capture performance capture movie in a row uh, after because he did Beowulf and he did um, Polar Express and those were pretty much back to back because he did Beowulf. Let me find it here. Director. Oh, he did Beowulf. Yeah, Beowulf was 07. Oh, I guess a Christmas Carol was two thousand nine, and Polar Express was 04. So it was actually I had Polar Express in between them, but still, for in a five year span, he made three movies that were fully CG performance capture. That to me is amazing to do that many of those that quickly. Um, I guess you figure he probably started Polar Express in what oh two ish maybe he because he did Castaway in two thousand, um, and then Polar Express was his next movie in two thousand four. But then Polar Express gets gets released, and within five years he's done two more of those that same style of movie um, with completely different casts. So I. To me, that's pretty impressive. Um, and it kind of speaks that he knows what he's doing with it. Yeah, no, it's the last one he did like that. Um, I think. Yeah, that's the last one he. Uh, no, the next time he did um, motion capture stuff was uh, Mel- Welcome to Marwin, which was 2018. I haven't seen that one yet. That's the one with Steve Carell. Um, Never but, heard uh, of it. Oh, the one where he's a toy soldier. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> oh, yeah, the one where it's a dude that he's slightly crazy and he made it his own world. Yeah, at, well, he, after he got uh, severely beaten um, to, like, within an inch of his life, it was, like, some sort of coping mechanism. I don't know much about the movie um, other than I saw some trailers for it, and it looked interesting, and I just didn't get a chance to see it. But um, that was the next time he did motion capture. So after A Christmas Carol, um, he kind of backed away from it for a little while. He did uh, Flight and the Walk. And I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, over 10 years, those, you know, the animation is held up because, you know, oh, yeah. with the advancement of CG, you know, the way that's been going, 10 years, you know, is is a heck of a shelf life for a CG movie. It really is. And I think it's a testament to this movie and the fact that they made the choice to not go completely photorealistic. Um yeah. There's, That's probably a good portion of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a stylized photorealism, right? They look like real people, but for the most part, they're still caricatures, um, especially right. uh, especially Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge with the huge chin and the big hook nose. There were a couple of characters that I did feel like didn't age as well. The Carrie Elwes character, the big kind of uh, fat rotund guy, um, didn't... Mm. He didn't quite move right. Like his his face never seemed quite right. And yeah. maybe maybe that's the disconnect of recognizing the voice and then seeing the face. I don't know. Because I thought Bob Cratchit no, it, did it fine. Just, it, it, I think it was, you know, for somebody with that much weight in their face and that much weight in their abdomen, neither one of them, they, they, they were almost there. Because mm-hmm. I noticed the abdomen, it just, it looked too firm. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite move right. Um, so there was a little uncanny valley there. And, yeah. I mean, the other thing that this movie did, and this was this was a, a Zemeckis thing for these kind of three, I almost want to call them his CG trilogy, but it really isn't. I mean, it just happens to be three movies he did right in a row. Um, but this had kind of that theme park ride feel to it uh, for, you know, some of the filler scenes, right? Because th- this movie this version of A Christmas Carol follows the book very closely. Oh, yeah. 
Um, it's actually one of the more faithful adaptations of this particular story, um, that at least that I'm familiar with. Um, but in doing that, you know, you're making the movie an hour and a half long. There's going to be some filler in there, right? Because it's not. I mean, it's a it's a novel, but it's not. I don't think it's enough it's story. A, it's, it's not a really long story, no. though. So they had, you know, the filler parts to it. And it, so it did get a little bit theme park ride uh, is what I like to call it. That sort of um, Universal Studios 3D ride, right? Or Avatar ride, something like that, um, with him yeah, flying around the town. To, every time he had to go somewhere, it was, oh, it, let, let's, instead of just like, let's take you there. Let's like, no, let's, let's go there. Let's go on this little ride and this yeah. little adventure, this little mini roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Um which, you know, that's fine. That makes for an uh, exciting movie. Um, I think that was probably my least favorite parts, just because I, I love I love the story. So I, I wanted to get back to that, and I was really enjoying the... Uh, One thing that they did do well with those, you know, walking sections was you got to see people's reaction to Scrooge. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that really helped to, you know, it. Every, yeah, everybody does know the character, but at the same time, you you still kind of need to, you know, really put out there. It it, it just felt like it it was. I didn't think it was overdone, but I did think that it was well done in how they uh, decided that they were going to continue to show you how, you know, how miserly and how despised or feared he was. Yeah, and that part is fine. The beginning there, where he's walking from the Undertaker back to his counting house, that. I have no problem with because that's him just walking around and interacting. In fact, they even had the blind the blind man with his guide dog, and the mm-hmm. dog sees Scrooge and turns away. And that was referenced in the book. Um, there's a line about that where you know even the blind the blind men's dogs knew to avoid Scrooge. Like that, I liked. It's the uh, like the whole sequence where he shrinks down and the the horse carriage is chasing him from with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Like. That's not in the book, and that is the stuff yep. that, um, for me, is a little bit too much. Uh, him flying around um, after the ghost of Christmas past, like taking off like a rocket. You know that that stuff. That was the filler stuff that I didn't like. the The walking around in the beginning of it and like interacting with people on the street and knock, you know, knocking into them and scowling at the carolers and all of that. That I was fine with. Um, and at the end, you know, the, the complete 180 and yeah. people are like, although him doing the Marty McFly in the back of the carriage was hilarious to me because oh, yeah. the dude, dude would have 100% broke his hip when he fell. Right. Even and, though and he totally, my whole thing was, is he should have hit that curb <laughs> with the, with the way he was coming around and you know, the, the slickness of the road, he totally would have curbed it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he would have been uh, laid up. But, right. you know, it's funny because if you go by the timeline of the um, the tombstone, he's only like 57 years old. So, you know, old for that time, but certainly not, I mean, not quite as old and broken down as you would think, given, or as old as you would think, given how he's portrayed. But, again, you know, it's a story and... Um, they're going to take some liberties with that, but yeah, that was like, it's silly, but at the same time, I, I don't mind it. Like, I don't mind him doing the, the whole Marty McFly thing and just going complete 180. Cause that's the way the story should go. I also was a fan of the fact that, and this was the first Disney based one, but when I think about it, I can't think of, um, another rendition of it off the top of my head where um, Scrooge does not go to the Cratchit home on Christmas Day. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it, it, that was the part that was like, wait, isn't, isn't he supposed to go to Bob's Christmas? Yeah. And then to his family? Yeah, I, I actually liked that that, that that went that way. And I'm a fan of they never really – you don't see Bob on Christmas, so – I kind of like part of me wants to see their reaction to this goose just showing up. But at the same time, I kind of like that you don't get that and they never really touch on it because you could even, you know, I if if I were Bob Cratchit, I would have been like, you would not believe what happened to me on Christmas Day. 
But uh, no, I, I enjoyed that, that they went straight to uh, the nephew's house. And then you see him interacting with Bob, you know, whatever it is, the day after Christmas when he tells him to go get more more stuff. I was not expecting, and I don't know why, but I was not expecting, and it, it was jarring for me the first couple of words when Bob comes out and he's looking in the in the window and Scrooge is doing his little dance and, you know, all that. And then he turns and faces the camera and gives a little narrator bit. I don't know why that just came out of nowhere for me and it just felt weird at first. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I agree. It took me a second to. I, I was not a fan of that. It it, it was like, like oh, oh, so, so we, we have, have a narrator, narrator at the end of the movie, and Cratchit. it's Bob Cratchit. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, okay, give me a narrator. That's fine. Give me a disembodied voice. Um, I'd be fine with that. Like that wouldn't have bothered me at all. It was the the character being in the scene and then suddenly turning, going, pardon me, going straight down the camera, and telling you like the wrap up of the story that just that for me was just didn't feel right didn't sit well yeah it throws you out of it Mm -hmm. exactly yep completely took me out of it um i need to stop reading uh imdb trivia because some of it just makes me laugh the ghost the ghost of christmas present literally dies in this film as he becomes a skeleton this death foreshadows that the same fate will happen to both Scrooge and Tiny Tim unless Scrooge repents. Someone someone took the time to write that out, and zero of one people found that interesting, I'd like to point out. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so... Like that's not just spelled out in the story that right. those people are going to die. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. like, oh yeah, it's, it's super a super... Yeah, like... Like Christmas present even goes so far as to say that yeah, Tiny Tim's gonna bite it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And spoiler alert. Um. So yeah, the, this is the the one of the closest to the novel. Um, the only things they really didn't uh, touch on that was in the novel was just some stuff that happened like around the globe. Um. The and apparently the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Um is nearly immobile in the novel. Because there's the whole bit where he's chasing him around and stuff. You know, whatever. I mean, it was exciting. And Zemeckis did that with Polar Express and Beowulf. It was all it was that kind of theme parky. Like, the whole opening shot where it's the long, kind of impossible camera that moves, you know, through the Christmas wreath and along that street and all that. That was a lot of stuff. And really, that was showing off the um, the 3D, right? Because this was an IMAX 3D film. Um mm. And Beowulf was a couple years earlier, and it was also IMAX 3D. I actually saw Beowulf in IMAX 3D. So those kinds of things where it's all this you know, stuff flying at the camera and all that, Zemeckis really, really liked that. And unfortunately, that kind of stuff, to me, is just too gimmicky, and it didn't really, didn't really do it for me. Um, and I notice it, mostly because of seeing Beowulf in a theater and so seeing the 3D part of it. I now notice stuff like that when I see, you know, it's, ooh, your movie's in 3D, so we're going to have a sword come at you, or we're going to have, you know, this happen, like, really, really overplaying that. Um, going to have a spinning axe coming at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, this was, like I say, 10 years ago, and this it was right in that stretch where they were really pushing um, 3D in the theaters. So, less, a lot yeah. less so now. I remember watching Beowulf in 3D, and I, yeah, it was it was not 3D dumb, but I consider right. It was 3D with here's the gimmicky with the spear pointing at you. This because I hadn't seen it in the theater, and you know now mentioning that oh yeah, this was supposed to be in 3D. That makes a lot of those scenes make a little bit more sense, but it didn't throw me off because I hadn't seen it that way before. Yeah, exactly. No, I um overall though, I enjoyed this. It was a good version. It's not my favorite version of a Christmas carol. Um that uh it's a tough one for me between uh I love the retelling that they did for Scrooge, but it's Bill Murray, so you know, I'm going to be biased there. Uh Mickey's Christmas Carol is great. A Muppet Christmas Carol uh is a ton of fun because it's all I mean, the story is very simple, right? The story is one of uh, a personal redemption. 
So it, it can go in a lot of different directions. Um, the Patrick Stewart uh, led version, uh, I don't remember if that was a theatrical release or if it was just a made for TV one from like 99, I think. I think that was just a made for TV one, but I did enjoy that one. But I love Patrick Stewart. Well, right. I mean, it's Patrick Stewart, you know. So uh, this isn't my favorite, but I could see myself watching this again and, and putting this in a regular kind of Christmas. You know, if I decide I want to make just December Christmas movie month, um, this could fall into that, certainly. Uh, I like this better than quite a few other Christmas movies that I've seen. Um, I would watch this over A Christmas Story at this point. Um, but that's a discussion for a whole other time. I'm, that movie has just been oversaturated to me. Um, so It's still good. It's still <laughs> iconic. But I have to give it at least like five years between viewings. Yeah, I, and, I know that I'm probably going to get a little flack for this, but I don't like that movie. It so it's good, but it got this cult classic status, and then became you know the TNT is going to play it 24 hours a day or 24 hours on Christmas Day type thing. That's what sort of got me from it. Overall, I enjoy the movie, um, but yeah, I I can see. I mean, what is it about the movie that you don't like? Let's let's go ahead and talk about it. That movie, it's just it's boring. It doesn't go anywhere. The, the there's no real drama and plot. It's just oh, there's a kid who has an annoying family, and it's Christmas time, and Fair he enough. wants the specific thing. He actually yeah. gets the specific thing, and then all the warnings come true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's just simple kind of comfort food movie because um, you know what you're getting with it. You know, you you know it front to back. Like everybody has seen that movie so many times. But um, well, you know, as long as we're kind of which is funny because I almost watched that movie instead of A Christmas Carol because <laughs> my brain. <laughs> it has been a very different discussion. <laughs> no, Jim Carrey never Jim gets Carrey a BB was... gun. Where was Bob Hoskins in A Christmas Story? <laughs> Ooh, he would have made that better. It, that is one thing. I, what wouldn't he have made better? You know, I can't think of anything. Well, I, I really can't. I, I love Bob Hoskins. Like, everything. Uh, I mean, he and... Everything aside from Super Mario Brothers, but that has more to do with Super Mario Brothers and less with Bob Hoskins. No, he was great in it. That's the thing. Like... Bob Hoskins in Super Mario Brothers is like Raul Julia in Street Fighter. He elevates his material. Because, and 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 he also did that movie mostly drunk. So that's impressive in its own right. Well, yeah. I mean, John Leguizamo, him and John Leguizamo would just get loaded and be like, okay, got to go to work. Um, Give me another Mai Tai for the road. So I want to talk about my favorite Bob Hoskins performances but you know he was in this movie so little although if you even if you don't know who bob hoskins is you you almost have to recognize his voice in this um but uh some of my favorite roles of his were smee and uh um who framed roger rabbit smee from hook yes he was great as, as smee um i loved him in who framed roger rabbit that's a movie that uh i'm sure i can predict that david may have never seen that before uh if not him i know i can find somebody who hasn't and and that will go on the list because i love that movie um here's okay, a, but i want to be on it that's fine uh here's not a good one for you <laughs> i'm just drawn that way uh how many of you have seen the movie unleashed i have seen that movie he's really good at that movie. okay so we got a charlie um christina have you seen unleashed Perhaps I don't recognize the name, but I've seen so many movies; some of the names are forgotten. Is, so, doesn't that one also have uh, Jet Li? Jet Li and or Morgan Freeman. Thinking? Yep. Okay. Uh, I have not seen that movie. I wanted to, and then I just never so had it was, a chance to actually watch it. Yeah, it was originally titled Danny the Dog, um, and they changed it to Unleashed for the U.S. release for some reason. But um, Bob Hoskins is the heavy in that, and he is awesome for one he's using his natural accent right so he's very cockney in it and he's just a, he's terrible and it's glorious it's probably 
I like that performance just because he gets to like chew a lot of scenery a little bit more than Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit for me like has more more of the nostalgia, more of the warm fuzzy feelings because you know, I saw and, that movie that so many movie, times. He kind of he kind of went off the rails just a little bit for a while with that because that whole movie was him acting with nobody. He was talking to nobody. So he had to visualize <laughs> all these characters around and then afterwards he found that he couldn't quite shake them that easily. Right. Looking it up, I don't think I've seen it. It's really good, um, and I definitely recommend it. And that's another Robert Zemeckis. So, um, you know, I want to talk about him a little bit because I think he gets a little bit of the the short end of the stick in terms of when people talk about great directors. Um, and it's it's hard for me to call Zemeckis a great director in the same way I would call Spielberg or Scorsese great, but Zemeckis did some really, really good stuff. Um, If you look through his directing credits, Used Cars, Romancing the Stone, of course, Back to the Future, um, which is a a classic, Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the other um, Back to the Future sequels, Death Becomes Her, which I think is an underrated comedy. I don't know if any of you have seen that, but that's a lot of fun. That movie's hilarious. Oh, it's good. Uh, He did Forrest Gump, which, say what you want about Forrest Gump, and maybe it hasn't aged that great, but that was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I actually did enjoy that movie quite a bit, more than I thought that I would. Uh, You know, he did a few episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Contact was him uh, in 97. Um, Castaway. Uh, what Lies Beneath, which is uh, an underrated Harrison Ford um, movie, in my opinion. I think because of um, some things that Harrison Ford did in his... Uh, I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't seen it, but Harrison Ford, it's a its a fun role for him. But, um, you know, and then Polar Express, Beowulf, this. Um, he did uh, Flight. This Welcome to Marwin was uh, one that he did. Allied, I have not seen. Um, and The Walk, I have not seen. Um, but you look at some of the stuff he did. I mean, classics that you know most people have heard of: Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, Forrest Gump. Right? I mean, it, he could have only done those three movies, and you, you know you're gonna recognize him. But the thing is, he doesn't get the same name recognition that a lot of um, other directors do. He's done a lot of produ- He's done more producing, um, and especially in his later later years um trying to think of some of these real steel he was executive producer for um he was executive producer for okay he produced 13 ghosts and ghost ship matchstick men uh gothica um i really did like ghost ship yeah that's one i need to see all the way through oh that's right the frighteners he produced that as well that's a great one too if you haven't seen that, that's uh, some fun pre-Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson. I'm hoping the original. What? So you... Oh, but no, I, I think one of the best mind. Peter Jackson things I've seen is when he uh, stabs the detective in the hand. Yeah. Dressed as Father Christmas. Yes. Well, yeah, but that I mean, that's a cameo. I'm talking Peter Jackson directed The Frighteners. Have you ever seen The Frighteners, Keith? Can't say that I have. Oh, I also didn't say that I have seen that movie either. You haven't? Oh, okay. Have not. Uh, I may may try and wait until next Halloween season for that because it is kind of a fun Halloween season movie, but I guess it does. it's not really tied into Halloween at all. Um, that's a great one. Uh, we'll have to talk about that at, a, at another, another time. But, you know, Zemeckis as a producer, as a writer, as a director – I think gets a little underrated. Um, yes, oddly normal one, Audi. You're right. Frighteners is so good. Uh, that is going on our list. I will make you guys watch that. Um, you, I, and you can thank me later. Um, I keep mixing it with Flatliners. Oh no, very very different. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they're very different. But the name is so close, and they came out around the same time. True. Speaking of so many different versions of A Christmas Carol. Uh, there's a new one coming out this year on the 19th of December. Oh, really? Uh, via FX. And 
Ebenezer Scrooge is being played by Guy Pierce, and I have only seen teasers for it, and it looks fantastic. I could see that. I could see Guy Pierce do, doing that. Uh, Andy Serkis is the ghost of Christmas Past. Uh, we have you Stephen Graham as Jacob Marley. Yeah, you don't have to say anything more, Andy Circus. I'm sold. <laughs> Holy cow. It looks okay. good. All right. Um, so this movie, I think part of why Zemeckis didn't do another 3D motion capture movie until Welcome to Marwin. So this movie made a total worldwide of $325 million, but its U.S. gross was $137 million. Do you guys know what the estimated budget was for this? I'm going to guess more than that. Two hundred million. <laughs> Good Ouch. Christ on a crutch! Wow, I did not Jesus realize. Harold Christ on a rubber crutch. Yeah, I did not realize it was that expensive of a movie to make. Jeez, two hundred million dollar budget estimated. I remember seeing all and sorts of stuff about it. What did it actually go it. for? Well, it did one thirty-seven in the U.S. and about three twenty-five worldwide. So it didn't really well, do oh, well. It was it was the estimated budget, not. They don't have an actual budget figure? No. Most of the time you get estimated budgets. You don't get the full-on. <clears throat> oh, I'm looking at these yeah, images of... over or under. Well, because the budget doesn't always take into account the marketing. Uh, so no. they give you an estimated budget. Sometimes that counts uh, marketing. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'm looking at these pictures of Guy Pierce as, uh, as Ebenezer Scrooge, and I'm going to try and throw one up on the screen real quick because uh, that looks... Let's see if I can find a good picture of him. Nope, wrong one. So you can kind of see that. Uh, but he looks great. Uh, I am, I am all in. I will check that out. FX premieres December 19th, so coming up. That'll be cool. Andy Serkis, Stephen Graham, Charlotte Riley. Don't know any of these. Jason Fleming. Ooh, I like Jason Fleming. Cool. Thanks, Charlie. I had not heard about that, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Well, we're talking Christmas, Carol. i got to bring it up. Right. So, all right. Well, look, as long as we're kind of looking at versions of this, uh, I want to start with Keith. We're going to go around. Uh, favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol? This one so far because it seemed you know it, it was accurate and it didn't it didn't sugarcoat anything, um, and I'm not really a Christmas movie person. Okay. I it just feel that a lot of times they're overly commercialized, and this one didn't feel like a a commercial effort. It felt like somebody who actually enjoyed the novel, making that you know doing their best to make that novel into a movie. Sure. All right. How about you, Christina? I agree with that. Uh, my favorite's the Muppets, but it's because I love the Muppet. Well, see, that is the correct answer. Um, Charlie, how about you? Oh, Muppets Christmas Carol all the way. <laughs> That's that is the best rendition of the story. This, this one was good. I'm not going to like this might be number two or number three. But yeah, this Muppets one was the most one. the most accurate, but the most fun and the 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 one that you get the most joy out of would be the Muppet. Yeah, well, I mean, you got the Muppets and you've got Michael Caine. Where where can you go wrong there? Um, that would be my favorite. Well, we can't all say the Muppet one. I mean, mm -hmm. I had to be the guy who's different. I knew I was going to have to be the guy. No, we can all say the Muppet one because that is the right answer. The favorite. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will agree though. This is an accurate one. Now, I touched on it earlier, and Keith, you bringing up that um, William didn't really sit still very well for this. This is not. Uh, something that I would show a lot of young kids. I don't, and it's not so much because I don't think that they could handle it, but it's not, uh, it's not going to engage young children, right? Because it's very character driven. Aside from if the kids get scared easily, uh, this would, the, the images in this would definitely get them. Um, because there's not, there's not a lot of levity to this. I mean, there's one, I can think of one moment up until, after or before he wakes up uh, the next morning of any kind of levity, and that is with Marley, and that felt so forced to me. Um, when his jaw kind of hinges open, mm -hmm. that sequence there, for me, 
um, I felt like just didn't fit the tone of the rest of that scene. Because that whole scene up until that point was honestly pretty creepy. Uh, not only because of the visuals of Jacob Marley, but the fact that he didn't even, he was never looking at Scrooge. He was always thousand yard stare looking away, except for one moment when, you know, one eye moves down and then the other one moved down to stare at him. He's never looking directly at him. He's sort of talking past him, all of that. But then, and, you know, then his jaw kind of comes loose and the music changes, uh, gets a little more lighthearted and he's like, you know, moving it. And then when he turns around and wraps his headband and he looks back around and he's got like his jaw, you know, is up too high, almost Muppet like that to me felt out of place for that entire, the, the rest of that scene. But that's the only real moment of like true levity. Um, before the change. Yeah. Well, you know, there was the party in the past that was levy and happy and all this, but yeah, yeah, yeah that 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 scene felt. Uh, I agree with you that like there was like let's throw in a little joke here and it'd be fun and like no, it doesn't work there. Well, that that party in the past that also needed to be there to set up, you know, the uh, you know the the hardening moment when you know she releases him from the engagement because mm-hmm. she's penniless. Right. No. And that, and that felt like it made sense. It's just that, that one moment in the Marley scene just didn't feel like it fit the rest of what they were doing. Everything else I felt like flowed really well. I thought everything with the, cause there's some moments with the ghost of um, Christmas present that, you know, are a little more lighthearted, um, you know, that, that all, and it all fit. It felt right. Um, and for me, the the downside to that whole thing with Marley is like that scene was really effective right up until that point. And it, it felt like they just took all the teeth out of it. Like I wouldn't have done that. I would have left that. I almost feel like that was a Disney choice rather than a, than a Zemeckis choice. Um, but that's just, I, I would agree with that. It, it did not feel that that was not the tone of the scene. It was not the pacing of the scene. It didn't go. You know, because even like the whole thing with the chase with uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come and the whole chasing him around and shrinking down and all of that, even that felt less out of place to me. And that that felt a little bit forced. That's that theme park thing I was talking about. Uh, But I think overall, I mean, in terms of versions of A Christmas Carol, uh, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, There's a lot of older... uh, versions i mean this movie's been made uh, this story's been made into a movie i can't tell you how many times um so you know i there's no way that uh that i could have seen all of them but um of the ones that i've seen this is in my top uh probably three of a christmas carol um with muppets and scrooged um but yeah, I mean, overall, it, look, it's a classic story, and everybody knows the story, so it's it's fun to see the different takes that you get off of it. And I liked the idea of having Jim Carrey play the spirits as well. Um, I thought that was uh, an interesting choice, and I liked that because it's really more of Scrooge um, kind of seeing the spirits and seeing something of himself in them. So this is a good movie. Uh, it's worth watching. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. Like I say, some younger kids are probably going to get a little freaked out by it. Like between, uh, the jump scare of the door knocker when it's got, um, Marley's face, there's a quick jump scare there. The kind of creepy nature of some of the characters, the whole, uh, the scene with the two, the couple in the house when they're going through Scrooge's stuff, um, you know, I mean, it's hard to say it's scary because as a society, we're so desensitized to stuff. But I do think some younger kids, this movie would be a little too intense for them. It's sort of like um, the first Jurassic Park when it came out and, and you know parents were taking their kids to it and some kids were getting scared by it because it was intense. Uh, it's kind of the same idea with this, I feel. But overall, good movie. Worth worth a watch. Um in my opinion, uh, then this being my first time seeing it, I do want to watch it again. Probably not this year. I'll probably wait till next year. Um, but,
but uh, I'm I'm gonna watch this one again. And how about you guys? Starting with Charlie. Oh yeah, I'd watch this one again. Okay. And Keith, I'd give it a minute, but I'd watch this one again. What do you think? Uh, so you had trouble with Williams kind of sitting still for it. Do you think that was kind of what I'm talking about with like it being more character driven and it's not really like. It's not aimed yeah, at the, kids. Yeah, the, the character-driven aspect of it, I think, is is mostly what kept him from really getting into it. You know, five years old. You know, I I, I just want to see the funny stuff, Dad. Right. Yeah. I, I just and... want to see the cool thing. I and mean, like, like Dark Crystal, like I, it was a combination of the visuals and everything happening. And it's like, what is that? What is that? Just yeah. You know, he was he was constantly asking questions, but it was always about the movie. It wasn't you know, him trying to get me to read him a book in the middle of this movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Christina, what do you think as a first time seeing this one? It was good. Um, I mean, I'd watch it if it was on TV and there was nothing else going on, but it isn't one that I'd be searching out. There's just, you know, the Muppets. It's true. It's true. You, plus, you're probably the most uh, Ebenezer Scrooge of the four of us in terms of your views on Christmas. It's not Christmas itself. It's the commercial commercialization of it. Oh, I know. I'm poking fun. No, it it definitely the commercialization of Christmas is kind of crazy. Um, but no, I look. It's a good movie. I suggest you go out and see it. Normally, I'd play audio clips, but there really wasn't anything that worth capturing in this movie overall. Um, there's not a lot of like one liners. The dialogue is fine, but it wasn't. It's know, good dialogue. But it's the it's the dialogue that we've all heard a hundred times, yeah, two hundred times, you know. Yeah, and not only that, but it like it doesn't work outside of context. Like I can't. There's not a lot of lines I could pull from this that I could play. You know, that sound funny out of context. It's not like uh, you are a saucy flirt. Like that's going to be funny no matter what. So I just didn't capture anything for it, um, which is fine. I now I I do want to say one last thing though was uh, I liked the music in this. Alan Silvestri did the music for it, and uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. It was it, it had the right feel. Uh, I don't know if it, if it kind of caught anybody else or not, but uh, I really enjoyed his music. It's it, it, nothing groundbreaking, but at the same time, like, I like, I mean, he did the soundtrack for uh, Predator, for Captain America, the first Avenger. He did uh, Forrest Gump. He's worked with Zemeckis a lot. Um, and I just, I liked it. It was good. Uh, the music was good. I, I was not fond of the, the volume ratios were off. Like the music was really loud and the dialogue was really quiet. I didn't like that. But the music itself was good. Yeah, the mix was a little bit off. And I didn't. I will say I wasn't a huge fan of the kind of song that played over the end credits. Nothing against the uh, either Silvestri or the vocalist, uh, Andre, whatever his name is. I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, they're fine. It's just it, that one. I'm not a fan of the like music tie-in stuff a lot of the times um, because it just it feels like that same kind of cash grab commercialization thing where, oh, we're going to. We're gonna do, uh, and and sometimes it does work, but in this case, it felt I don't know forced. Um, and with the rest of the music being something that I enjoyed and I could listen to, I just didn't like that. Definitely the, uh, um, I, I had to turn my volume all the way up to sixty to hear to hear the dialogue on this, and I normally have my volume sixteen to twelve in there. Yeah, I don't everything know. Everything I do. I'm not sure what's going on with that lately. We had the same problem with planes, well, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's and it's not just and it's not just the the streaming service we used. I've noticed it on several streaming services, or in, even with DVDs and Blu-rays, that you know certain movies are just super quiet. Yeah, it's something to do with those 5.1 channel mixes when they're doing those 5.1 and 7.1 mixes. They're yeah, not... like even when I try to make it, even when I set it to stereo, yeah, it's still coming out super quiet. Well, I mean, look, you're getting a resounding, it's a good movie from all four of us, so uh, definitely go see it. Um, it is December now, 
And uh, because of that, we are doing Christmas movies on the show because uh, it's a contractual obligation. If you review movies, you have to review Christmas movies during the month of December. But At what, least once. Right. But what I've done is I've decided that we're going to review A Christmas Carol in different over versions. Over and over. So if you don't like Ebenezer Scrooge, you're going to really not like him by the end of this month. Um, because strap in, this is only our first one. Uh, next week, the the movie that we are going to review is going to be Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. Um, it is a version of A Christmas Carol. It's not this. It is a, a more modernized version. It's modern for the late 80s. Um, but uh, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. I haven't watched it in a few years, so I'm curious to see how it held up. Uh, I have a couple of people that have never seen it before that are going to come on and join us. So that is uh, next week. The week after that, we are going to be reviewing The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, because You actually know somebody that hasn't seen that yet? Uh, I believe so, yes. Um, hmm. And uh, that's a lot of fun. For Christmas, so we are going to have an episode that will come out on Christmas Day. Um, and just for fun, um, and because I know a couple of people that haven't seen it, um, we are going to be doing Mickey's Christmas Carol. And that's short. It's only 25 or 30 minutes. So I'm going to actually make that a double feature episode with Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated version um, directed by Chuck Jones, because that is for me. Okay, yeah, the, the Chuck Jones one. Yeah, yeah, that is for me my number one favorite Christmas movie of all time. Bar none, hands down, just lock it in and we're done. Uh, that is my favorite. So. Because the show's all about me, we're going to do that one for Christmas. <laughs> um, but uh, it also fits because it's only about 25 minutes long. So it can do a nice little double feature of that and Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, and it'll work out. So that is what's coming up for the rest of this month. Uh, and um, sorry, you were going to say something, Christina? I was going to say, at least it's not the uh, old claymation uh, Rudolph ones. Oh god! No, not this year. I maybe at some point. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't hate that movie, but um, I just decided it would be fun to do the same story four different times. So uh, we'll go with that. I had seen those movies so many times growing up as a kid. Oh, we all did. Um, it yeah. was it was tradition to watch the the Rudolph and the um. Twice. The Claymation Rudolph and the uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Chuck Jones one, immediately after Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and then um, apparently we got better at hiding the remote from my aunt. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so that is what's coming up over the next couple of weeks as we round out 2019 um, and our first calendar year of the show. Uh, so stay tuned for those. Um, the episode for Scrooged is going to be coming out at its normal on the normal Wednesday, but I'm going to be recording it a little bit early because I will be out of town that week. Um, so there may or may not be a live stream yet. I have not decided. Uh, I would like to do one, but it would be if I did, it would be on Friday night coming up. So we'll see. There might be a, an impromptu live stream of that recording. Otherwise, it'll just be in the feed. So look for that. Uh, we do record the show normally every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, twitch.tv forward slash TV's Travis. Um, come on in and join. We had a couple people in the chat room tonight. Uh, oddly normal one or Audi. Uh, we got Spartacus, Ben. Uh, Monkey Bananas came in for a little bit. Um, you know, Phelan, you're in there, Christina as always. Uh, so it's fun. Um, I do try to pay attention to the chat room and, and interact whenever possible. Um, if, as long as I can keep myself from getting completely derailed from the conversation, but, uh, come join us. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And, uh, the show comes out Wednesdays. So this show will be coming out this coming Wednesday and you can subscribe to the show at Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts. Easiest way is to go to tvstravis.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, that helps us out more more than uh, you could ever know. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do for this week um, A Christmas Carol. It was a lot of fun, and I want to thank all three of you for joining me, uh, even if it was a little bit late. Charlie. Sorry about that. 
That's okay. I'll, you get one free one, so I won't kick you off the show. Everyone gets one. Yay. But uh, no, honestly, thanks for being on, Charlie. It was a lot of fun. Good having you back. It's been a little while, so it was nice. And Keith, you as well. Yeah, I I like a lot of movies. Yeah. Probably gonna might end up ducking out on a lot of the Christmas movies, though. That's just how I am. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Uh, and Christina, as always, a pleasure having you on. Always glad to help. And uh, as we like to say in this Christmas season, uh, it's good to get out and enjoy your movies. And what you should do now is get out and enjoy your Christmas movies that aren't from the Hallmark Channel. Touch my robe.